The Barcode Podcast with your host, Chris Glandon, serving cybersecurity straight up with no chaser. Let's hit the bar and grab a drink. All right, you guys all uh, have a good night and uh, we'll see you next round. Hey, Boozebot. Hey, man. Can you cover for me real fast? I'm going to step out back, grab a smoke. Hey, what's up, fellas? Actually, the uh, the entrance is on the other side there. Hey, wait, wait. What the hell? What, what's going on? What, what's going on? Oh, hey. Oh, 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 hey, hey, hey. Hey, man, let me get a martini when you get a chance. Oh, hold up. Don't I know you? <laughs> Not me, man. Yeah, I know you, man. You're that guy I seen on Channel 10. What's your name again? I mean, I think you got me confused. My name's Ivana. And by the way, here's your drink. It's a martini. Special 007X James Bond edition. Three ounces of gin, one ounce of vodka, half ounce dry vermouth, and a lemon peel for a garnish. Thanks, man. How much I owe you? <laughs> It'd be 7X, brother. 7X... Oh, that's it, man. Yo, how did you get in here? They need to fire their bouncer. Nah, nah, nah. Don't blame him. Just another one of my unsuspecting victims. I can't get mad at you, man. Hey, let's go steal a high top and catch up. Yeah, I got some time. Let's do it. By the way, you still haven't paid for that drink. is a nationally recognized expert on physical and cybersecurity, incident response, identity theft, and digital forensics. His experience is backed by decades of combined information security and law enforcement experience. As a certified forensic analyst, Matt conducts various investigations for clients in the public and private sectors. It is with this technical competency, professionalism, and strategy that he is able to protect his clients from cyber threats and cyber terrorism. Education is at the forefront of Matt's passion in the industry. He's been asked to speak at various information security conferences and has served on the advisory board for the information security curriculum at Delaware Technical Community College. Because of his experience and recognition in the field, Matt is consistently regarded as the go-to cybersecurity expert for NBC in Philadelphia. As a seasoned interviewer, he has made countless appearances on the news, as well as on the web and podcasts. With his arsenal of applications, strategies, and procedures, Matt is able to assist clients in achieving better cybersecurity. Matt, first off, welcome to Barcode. Secondly, how the hell did you get in here, man? That's what I want to know. Oh, well, I mean, just got to put in the FaceTime with, uh, with the owner. Help him get into Black Hat a few years ago, you know? Just got to kind of help, uh, help keep it going. Damn, and I've warned him about people like you. That's true. That's true. Dangerous. Friendly. Yeah, we're working on a user awareness program here, and uh, it doesn't appear it's working. It's not, it's not working. <laughs> So Matt, known you personally for a while now, and uh, I know that you carry a very unique and special set of skills. 
I'd call it a hybrid of social engineering slash physical pen testing slash technical expertise. How do you classify what you do? Because I don't want to misclassify it. And also, how did you initially get into it? No, yeah, no, I think it's fine. I think it all, it it really does kind of sum things up, right? We, um, you know, in the cybersecurity field have somehow also become synonymous with the physical aspect of security. You know, it's, it's, hey, paid to break into computer. I somehow translated into paid to break into building, right? And it's funny because we offer all these recommendations in the cybersecurity world about how to fix things. And, you know, somehow we just had to become the expert on how to fix things in the physical security world. And, um, you know, totally tangential. One of the things I just find ironic is, you know, we'll sell you a bunch of products to fix cybersecurity issues. We don't really sell you a bunch of products to fix physical stuff. Like, you know, like there's very few cybersecurity companies that are selling cameras and alarm systems, right? They all sell, you know, SIMs and, you know, endpoint detection. But I don't know. So always kind of found that funny. But so you're saying like manufacturers of alarm systems don't partner with security vendors. Right. I mean, that's the thing, you know, it's like the, the guys that are out there selling security solution tools are offering assessments to, you know, test your cybersecurity and then offering a product to fix it. You don't really see, you know, the Sloman Shield guys out there selling physical security system uh, assessments. So it's, it's always kind of found it interesting that we've gotten lumped into the cybersecurity world. And so you find that there aren't that many experts in what we do, right? Because it's where does that training come from? Where does that knowledge come from? Some of it comes from just being naturally gifted at, you know, doing this kind of work, right? You know, you're, uh, you're in a world where you lie to people for a living. You're constantly looking at the world with a, you know, through the lens of somebody who, is trying to break into places all the time, right? I can't walk into a bank or walk into a target without looking at you know, how the exit sensors are configured and who's watching what. And so it really is kind of an interesting way to look at the world that makes a good physical security tester. But, you know, to that end, right, how did I get into this? I didn't know physical security was a thing when I started down the cybersecurity journey. And my first day, first week, first month, you know, as I'm kind of onboarding and learning, I actually got partnered up with a senior consultant that took me on a physical security engagement. I kind of had no idea what to expect. Okay. And so we get there and I'm some shit in my pants, right? Like that's, that's the best way I can explain it. And, um, I, uh, <laughs> I follow him up to the building and this is your first day on the job. This is my first physical test on the job. Okay, got it. So I was pro- I'd probably been doing it a grand total of a month at this point. I didn't even own a set of consultant clothes, let alone know how to blend into a corporate environment. So I felt pretty out of place. But it was just funny because, you know, this guy is calm under pressure, right? Johnny Cool, you know, nothing's bothering him. I'm looking around, I'm like, everybody knows we're not supposed to be here. You know, everybody's looking at us like ready, you know, they're one phone call away from going out of here in handcuffs. And, you know, we, we end up in this stairwell and it was kind of a funny situation because 
you had to badge into the building. But then once you badged into the building, you had to badge into the different levels within the stairwell. So we had gotten in, but we were trapped in the stairwell. We couldn't, not only could we not get into the, the building, but we couldn't even get out of the stairwell because you had to badge to leave the stairwell, which I'm pretty sure is against fire code. But yeah, I'd say so. Different yeah. story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, so we're stuck in the stairwell. And, you know, if we're down at the bottom and people are coming out of the second floor to go downstairs, we have to act like we're going up the stairs and try to catch the door. And we miss the door. So then we hear people coming out of the bottom, coming up the stairs. So then we go down the stairs to try to get it. And we played this back and forth game probably 10 times. And finally, this guy comes out and he is, you just tell the guy meant business, looks at us. He's like, what are you guys doing here? You know, my buddy's just totally cool under pressure. He's like, nah, we're here from Oracle, man. We're just doing a database upgrade. It's cool. He's like, no, it's not cool. You're gonna have to go check in at the front desk. And I'm like, oh, well, that's it. I guess we're going home. So we go out the stairwell and he's like, all right, I'll meet you back at the car. And before I can look back over my shoulder, he follows somebody else into the building, into another door. <laughs> it's just, you know, I thought we had just narrowly escaped death uh, or certainly a prison cell. And he's right back in the building. And, uh, you know, like that audacity just kind of stuck with me. And I said, all right, well, I guess that's how this game's played. But, uh, he put it in good context, right? He's like, what have you got to lose? You know, uh, certainly, you know, getting shot is not great. Getting tased is also a, a distant second, but also still not great. But, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, right, you can push the limits as far as you want to, because the worst thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to tell you no. And, you know, you flash your get out of jail free card and, and all is right with the world. So take chances and be bold is kind of the the takeaway. Yeah. So it's like robbing a bank with no repercussions. Yeah, exactly. You just don't get any money if you actually pull it off. <laughs> right. I mean, you do, but not the amount <laughs> yeah. that you're going for. That's right. That's right. So was it that particular instance then that hooked you? It was. Was it primarily the challenge that came with it? Yeah. And I think it really kind of spoke to this, um, you know, like inner desire I've always had to, you know, be a, you know, it was the closest thing I could compare to being a movie star, right? Acting, right? You're, you're acting, you're breaking into buildings, you're pretending to be somebody else. And it's just a, it's a very cool thing to do, uh, yeah. in my, in my opinion. Right. hundred percent, man. Yeah. You do get these questions. Like, can you turn it off? You know, you get in a fight with your girlfriend and she's like, are you social engineering me? I, the fact that you even know what that means <laughs> tells me that I'm set up for failure. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, um, so after gaining experience with performing these physical security engagements, what would you say are the skill requirements needed for someone else who may be interested in this line of work? Is it physical? Is it technical? Mental? What are the key attributes that someone should possess to be optimally successful in this field? Yeah, I think the the easiest way to answer your question is just to say yes. It's being able to blend all of those things, right? It's knowing that you have all these tools in your tool belt. You have technical capabilities for when you need technical items. You have social engineering skills for when you need to talk your way through a problem. You have, you know, um, 
cybersecurity skills for when you need to hack your way through a problem. And so, you know, getting through a building is no different than solving any other puzzle or maze. You're, you know, you start at one point, your target is another point. And then along the way, you're going to run into brick walls. You're going to run into cubby holes. You're going to run into people and blockers all, all throughout. So it's knowing what to pull out and when. And a lot of that just comes from experience. Experience in those different areas. Yeah. Experience doing a physical security engagement will present you, you know, at one point, right? If you come in brand new, you don't know anything. The first stop, you know, your first hop is going to be what to say to the the front desk receptionist, right? So you're going to have no idea and you're going to fail at the front desk. Then the second one you do, well, now you got a story for the front desk. So you're going to come in, you're going to get past the front desk, but you're going to get to the IT room and you're not going to know how to get through the door, right? So then now you're two parts of the puzzle in, then the third time, right? So you kind of build on and take with you bits and pieces from each prior engagement. So, okay, you figure out what works typically. Right. And then be able to tap into that the next time. Yeah. Exactly. And there's variations, right? So if something works, you know, you can continue to keep it in the tool belt, even if it doesn't 100% translate, some variant of that might. So you keep the skill with you. You have to be fluid or you have to be flexible in the approach, right? <laughs> like a yogi. A yogi? Yeah, yeah. Don't they, don't, isn't that what they call them? Oh, someone that does yoga. I think so, yeah. I just always called them yoga practitioners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So um so what did you do prior to getting into cybersecurity? So I was in regular IT or you know, I was kind of a generalist before I focused on cyber. And then before that I was actually in law enforcement. Oh wow. Okay. So what were you doing in law enforcement? I was a patrolman. Really? Yeah. So then did that experience as a patrolman sort of help prime you for the physical security side? Um, it certainly imparts discipline, right? Like any good academy or boot camp will. And it'll force you to do things that you don't like to do. Yeah. It will teach you and prepare you to be mentally tough. So while the, you know, shooting your way out of a problem might not come up in this line of work, certainly being able to be cool under pressure and, and think through things kind of methodically or logically is the skill that, that I took away most from that. How about uh, just quick decision-making skills? Because I'm sure in that position, you're faced with unexpected situations that you have to quickly react to. Yeah, you never know. Um, one of the things they tell you in the academy is that uh, every conflict that you're involved in as a police officer is an armed conflict because you bring a weapon to every situation. And so you're constantly protecting that firearm because if anything happens to you, right, that firearm now becomes <laughs> a public domain or up for grabs. And, and that's not something you kind of want on your shoulder. So you constantly have to think about what's going on around you and situational awareness. That situational awareness almost directly applies to physical security, 
right? Am I going to set this alarm off? If I set the alarm off, who's coming? You know, if I, you know, run into this person, if I say the wrong thing, if I do the wrong thing, right? If I park in the wrong place, all of these things have repercussions. And so, um, you know, I think the one thing that it may have taught me the most is being able to think through a situation, especially under duress and come up with some, you know, salient thoughts or, or coherent thoughts rather. Mm. Yeah. Be aware of the environment you're in. And I guess expect a situation where you're up against the wall. Yeah, exactly. I bet that gets scary. I mean, yeah, I've, I've had guns pulled on me, so I've been in handcuffs. I've, yeah, it's, it's gotten real a couple of times. On that topic, tell me about a time where you didn't necessarily get caught, but a time that was more of a situation that had you on edge beyond the stairwell experience. Yeah, I would say that the, the stairwell experience is kind of the par for the course. It's being challenged by somebody that works at the company. You know, being challenged by people that work there is something that you get used to, something that doesn't really rattle your cage. Being challenged by law enforcement is a different kind of problem. Yeah, because cops, they don't give a shit about your engagement. Right. And they're, they're also, uh, they carry around a healthy dose of skepticism, right? They're lied to constantly. So, you know, think about every time you've ever been pulled over for speeding. You've always got an excuse. There's always a reason for why you were doing what you weren't supposed to be doing. Yeah. And so for me to say, oh, yeah, by the way, these burglary tools are here for a completely valid purpose. <laughs> yeah. By the way, breaking into this bank on a Sunday night at 11 o'clock. And <laughs> yeah, this is all legitimate. I assure you, <laughs> right? This piece of paper that I printed out from my home printer <laughs> with chicken scratch on it. I promise you. Yeah, that's that's all valid. Um, anyone listening to this with intentions of robbing a bank, don't do that. (laughs) This is, this is not an instruction manual for you. It's not that easy. No, absolutely not. And, and for good reason, right? And it's, it's good to see the system work that way. You know, I've, I've had a couple of run-ins with law enforcement and they've all been, they've all been stressful, but they've all been appropriately stressful. And I guess I mean, that they approach the situation with all of their situational awareness and all of their skepticism and all of their, you know, ready to do battle with a bad guy. And we walk out of it shaking hands, friends. Hey, you've got the coolest job on the planet. I want to do what you do, right? What can I, can I do that when I retire? Um, to which the answer is yes. Great, uh, great secondary career for former law enforcement. So if you're, you're considering what to do next when you're 25 and out, come talk to us. But, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, this Dallas County situation a few years back with the, um, the coal fire guys. Yeah. What was that? So that was a situation where, you know, and this is kind of what I was getting to, you know, we carry this get out of jail free card, right? Which is basically a piece of paper that says, Hey, the client has authorized this testing. We are here pretending to be bad guys, but for good reason. And if there's any question as to the legitimacy of that, you can call these people. And so the premise there is that the person who authorized the testing has the authorization to authorize the testing. And in Dallas County, there was some confusion on that where, you know, the guys had basically done the test on a courthouse that 
the local deputies showed up at when they set the alarm off and said, you know, you don't have jurisdiction to test this. You know, the state had authorized the testing and, you know, the state didn't have jurisdiction to authorize testing on a, a regional or a, you know, a, a local district, at least as far as I remember. Right. And so I'm completely going off script here by, uh, by pulling this out of memory. So take it with a healthy dose of check, but verify. But as far as I recall, right, the state had authorized the testing and the, the local county said, well, the state doesn't have the authorization to grant authorization to test this building. So you're going to jail. Yeah. And these guys, right, just doing their job, sat in jail for, I, I think it was a weekend um, till they got it all situated. So they were verified. They acknowledged that they were there, but yep. due to logistics, they got locked up. Yep, exactly. Jurisdictional uh, dispute. That's got to be a one-off situation. As far as I know, uh, it's the only one certainly that made kind of national news, but it definitely drew, um, you know, some ire from the community. It changed protocols in a lot of ways. It certainly changed the way that I do my engagements, um, especially and not stereotyping. But when you pick states like Texas and Alaska and some of the other ones that I've done, you know, recently. Those are, you know, kind of known for being shoot first, ask questions later states. You know, you're breaking into a building in the middle of the night and, you know, the backwoods of Alaska. Uh, you know, you never know who's going to come out. You know, might not be, uh, might not be a cop, might be a neighbor. Mm, so, yeah. um, you know, that's, uh, that's one of those things where I've started now reaching out to law enforcement in advance of arrival. And saying, hey, guys, you know, maybe you've heard of this, maybe you haven't, but this is what I do. This is, you know, who I'm doing it for. Please, by all means, if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. I'm happy to meet with you guys beforehand, show you whatever documentation you need to see to feel comfortable with it. Uh, and everybody's been really great about it. So I would say that those kind of proactive efforts have helped a lot. But um, yeah, that I mean, that's just something that directly changed as a result of, you know, the, the Dallas County stuff. So when you do notify law enforcement, are they receptive to that? Or is it typically a conversation where you have to explain it? Like, look, I'm going to break into this bank. <laughs> yeah. um, it is funny because most of them have not heard of this, right? Or if you have to, you know, you call into the non-emergency line at the police department and you talk to a dispatcher, they're like, well, oh, they'll have no idea. What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, I need to talk to a desk sergeant. Well, for what? Well, because I'm going to break into a building. Well, wh what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, so no, it's funny, but, uh, it, um, it's also scary. So, um, I'm going to virtually place you into a physical pen test. Okay. You're at the FBI headquarters. It's late night. And, um, I'd assume that it's an ultra secure facility, right? You're getting ready to go into this high pressure, high intensity situation. How do you personally calm yourself, you know, get past your fear and adjust yourself mentally in order to walk into this type of situation and carry out that task? Square breathing, yoga and coffee. Okay. Square breathing. Let's start there. So square breathing is a technique taught by the Navy SEALs to help keep your 
mind focused, your body taking in oxygen and in general, reducing stress. The idea is that you breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, repeat. So you breathe in this kind of box and square, and that helps to kind of just align everything, right? Gets you thinking about breathing rather than thinking about your nerves. You start thinking about, you know, how to keep that cadence and keep that pace. You stop thinking about messing things up. Mm. Uh, The rest of it tends to go on autopilot. Like I said, I can't stress it enough. You don't rise to the occasion. You fall to your level of training. So, you know, if your brain goes on autopilot because you're kind of focused on this breathing, it can really help you, you know, execute a task rather than kind of get caught up in the, the, oh my God, I'm about to break into the FBI headquarters. Yeah. And then yoga, right? So I don't do yoga, but I hear it helps with the calming aspect of things. So calming be damned. It helps with having to wait in a janitor's closet for eight hours and not be a stiff corpse when you come out. <laughs> that's, that's why you do I yoga. Know. That's right. <laughs> I have hidden underneath a desk for eight hours. Um, yeah. Wow. When your phone battery dies, when you're, you know, when you're cooped up in a very uncomfortable position and uh, you've got nothing but time on your hands, um, you've got, you know, you got to be able to survive that. So, well, that's another good point. This isn't a nine to five job. No, not at all. Not at all. But if you get in at nine and you have to wait until five for everybody to leave, then it becomes a nine to five in kind of the worst way possible. Well, then, then you're starting at five. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Which brings me to coffee. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's hit on coffee then, because I think that is, um, that has to get you through. It does. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a big coffee guy. Uh, you know, like most people, I think, you know, uh, in, in this field, um, plus, you know, you're a creator, so you get it right. We're, we all kind of love our boutique coffee and I've got a little tiny grinder and a little arrow press and I bring those on field jobs and plug the kettle into the truck and heat up the water. And Oh yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> nice. But again, right. It's, it's taking your mind off of what you're about to do, because if you think about it too much, you'll crack. So you got to stay with your routine, I guess, to keep your mind straight. Yep. Just business as usual. So if I gave you a random target, let's say it's a random target. How confident do you feel that you would be able to penetrate their security controls? What is your typical success rate? Is it 100%? Have you ever been on an engagement where you went home empty handed? I've never gone home empty handed. There have been times where I've gotten through the first gate and not the second gate. Okay. There have been times where I've gotten in the building, but not to the data center or, you know, gotten somewhere partially and not able to, to get the rest of the way. Um, that under the desk one was a pretty good example, right? That was, can you get into the building and then can you get into the data center? Well, got into the building, hoped that by five o'clock, everybody would be gone. Didn't know that the data center was staffed 24 hours. Um, 
So funny story and how we ended up getting caught. And I actually had a coworker with me that got caught by the same woman three times. <laughs> and I guess on the third time she finally called the cops, but wait, did she recognize them? No. So the data center was on the first floor and the IT department was on the second floor. And so while we were waiting for everybody to leave the data center, I had gotten in at nine o'clock in the morning, waited all day. Everybody upstairs had left. I went upstairs to kind of roam around and dump credentials off of computers and whatever. And I had let my partner in. (laughs) It was cold outside. So one of the women that worked in the data center walked around the IT floor on the second story. So he's walking around, she's walking around, they walk into each other, scare the crap out of each other. She's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I'm an intern. (laughs) She's like, you've got to leave. He's like, okay. And she shows him the door. So he calls me, says, hey, dude, I got caught. I'm like, all right, I'll come let you back in. So I let him in a second time. 20 minutes later, I guess she decided to take another walk and she runs into him again. And she's like, hey, I thought I told you you had to leave. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot something. She's like, okay. So, <laughs> so she kicks him out again. He calls me. He's like, I got caught again. I'm like, damn, dude. So I let him in a third time. And now um, she goes for the walk. This was probably 45 minutes later. She goes for the walk. We hear her coming. We ditch our stuff and run and hide under a desk. She sees my backpack in a conference room and she's like, this wasn't here. Oh, shit. So she calls the cops and the cops showed up and I'm hiding under a desk. He's hiding and he hates physicals, by the way. This is absolutely not his bag. He came because he was actually doing the penetration test and it brought me in for the physical part. Yeah. He doesn't sound too stealth. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you know him, he's like six, five, he he blends in like, uh, (laughs) like you can imagine a six foot five guy would. Um, and so he's hiding kind of between two cubicles and I'm hiding under this desk and, um, and I see these flashlights start making this like sweeping pattern across the, the row of cubicles and I can hear his radio going and I know, like, I know they're here. And so we're on borrowed time and the flashlights panning across the room and it pans past him and keeps going. And then it immediately goes back and locks on him and he's got like deer in the headlights. Look, <laughs> The cop starts yelling. He's like, get on the ground, get on the ground. <laughs> so, and you're just hearing this and I'm hearing it. Right. And as he, and I'm, I can see my partner across the hall. And so as he's like approaching my partner, the cop looks over and sees me under the desk. So now he's got two, it's two against one. Right? <laughs> and one of them six, five. <laughs> so, so this goes over like you can imagine it would. Um, I don't remember if they got him in handcuffs, but they definitely got me in handcuffs. And um, I'm like, I got a letter in my pocket, letter in my pocket, letter in my pocket. And um, long story short, they finally sorted out. Everybody was cool. Nobody got hurt. Uh, but they did say they're like, you know, you missed the uh, you missed the canine unit by about 45 minutes. So you might want to thank your lucky stars. <laughs> it's like, whoo, yeah. Dogs don't understand. I have a piece of paper. You have a piece of paper. Don't you need to carry like a piece of meat? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's also in the tool bag under the uh, frozen goods <laughs> section. <laughs> oh, man. So you always find at least one vulnerability. I mean, you can't hand in, a, in an empty report, right? There's got to be something. And, and it's interesting that there always is something. 
And I would say that, you know, so my preference is always to go in at night or more specifically at a time when people aren't there because I don't want to lie to people. I don't want to have to talk my way into something if I can help it. And that was a lesson I learned from, from my mentor was don't put yourself in a situation where you have to make it more complicated than it needs to be, right? If it's just picking a lock, well, don't add you know, convincing the secretary that you need to pick the lock to the list of activities you have to perform. Mm, yeah. You know, so my preference is always to avoid people. And um, if you can't, that's when the social engineering comes in. So got it. So um, if we got people listening to this podcast, they're looking to get into this line of work, where would you direct them to? Because to my knowledge, there's no certification for this. There's no training course for this. Um, there's nothing that really teaches these type of skills holistically, to my knowledge. What would be your, your guidance there? Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that. Um, and, and this is in no way shameless self-promoting, but um, it is one of the knowledge gaps that we've seen in this field is there really isn't a good training program for that. So, you know, to that end, we've started creating training material and teaching people not just the hands-on skills, right? Because you can go on YouTube and learn how to pick a lock. You can go to, you know, pentestingkeys.com and order keys to, you know, half of the normal grade locks in, in the world. But um, it, there's really a whole mindset that goes into it. There is a methodology that goes into it. There is recon that goes into it. There is you know, having a plan for when your backup plan fails kind of, you know, things that you have to account for. So there are a few courses out there, I think, that that train people up on how to do this, but certainly nothing to the, you know, level of complexity that we're striving for. Um, so stay tuned. I'll, I'll give you more information as the as the course becomes available, but we're piloting it now. We've got a, you know, a few places that we're going to be doing it. Oh, nice. We're looking at having a session over at Secure World here in the Philadelphia area. You know, we're also looking at the ISACA conference in Atlantic City. So stay tuned for that one. And then a couple of big ones on the horizon. Sweet. Yeah, you should try to get the Hope, too, in New York. Have you heard of that? The hackers on planet Earth? Yeah. Have you ever been? No. I'm going to a dude. Are you? Well, let me know. Maybe I'll roll with you. Yeah, dude, you should. I could use someone to get me in places. That's right. So yeah, let me ask you this, since we're going down that route. Have you ever used your skills in a situation <laughs> that you selfishly wanted to inject yourself into? So yeah, there's there are definitely some funny stories. Um, you know, some bets that get made out of band. Mm. We were at a... We were at a a party in Vegas for black hat. And uh, if I remember correctly, I think the party was put on by a uh, rely quest and it, they had marshmallow there and it was a big, it's like a big party to do. And we were talking and they were like, you know, oh, you're, you're a pen tester. Yeah. Go get backstage or, you know, I'll get past all those security guards. It's like, okay. <laughs> So challenge accepted. Yeah, that's it, man. So I, you know, I go stumbling down there and, um, 
it was funny. I went with, there was one other guy's like, I got to see this. And I'm like, all right, come on, I'll show you. <laughs> and so we get down there, we're right up along the stage and uh, the security guards there. And I look at him and I'm like, all right, you ready? And he's like, yeah, for what? And I pushed him into the security guard. And the, the two of them, like he goes to catch the guy and the guy catches him. And like, they're like, Hey, sorry about that. Well, while that's all going down, I slipped right past the security guard, went right up on stage. <laughs> Meanwhile, your boy's taking a beat down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got through. That's right. That's right. That was the bet. The bet was, can I get upstage? Not can we get upstage? Exactly. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Um, so we spoke about 7X. Tell me a little bit more about the company and what services you offer. Yeah. So 7X is a regional cybersecurity company based out of the Philadelphia area and, you know, kind of got a, kind of got a national footprint at this point, but um, certainly our roots are here and, you know, probably been in business about a year and a half, August of 2020 at this point. So nice. Yeah. It's been a time flies, man. I, I, I look back and I'm like, wow, I can't believe it's been that long already. But, uh, yeah, we certainly, um, specialize in penetration testing and certainly the physical security component, you know, adding that onto what would otherwise be an internal penetration test. You know, we also do web application assessments. We have our, our VCSO practice and some of our strategic cybersecurity initiatives that we, we help out with for, for some of our long-term customers. Yeah, it's growing. Awesome. Do you guys offer any services for ransomware protection? I mean, that seems to be public enemy number one these days. So uh, I actually spent uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day on site with a customer this year, helping them through probably one of the worst days of, of recent memory for them. And uh, one of the things that came out of that was this entire cybersecurity ransomware readiness type of assessment. You know, we, we kind of realized... Um, you know, there were, there were some things that, you know, in, in my career of dealing with ransomware time and time again, some things that would have been helpful. So we put together kind of this whole playbook for how, not only how to operate under a ransomware attack in the moment, but also, you know, what do you need to do to make sure that you're prepared for it? So we have this whole kind of test basically where we have a list of documents, a list of items that, you know, if you were in a real environment and you needed these things, how quickly could you pull them together? How quickly can you run this piece of code to get me the answers I need to all of these questions about your environment? So, yeah, so this ransomware readiness assessment is something that's also pretty new for us, but uh, something a lot of our customers have expressed interest in. Yeah, and I like that approach where it's not just, you know, a tabletop exercise. You actually put them to the test and make sure that the action items are done. Right. And we do tabletops too, right? And, and, and one of the shortcomings that all tabletops have is there is just this implied, oh, well, that's done, right? Oh, well, I would just restore from backup. Oh, well, that, that's it, really? That, that's all you do? <laughs> right? Nothing's ever going to go wrong? <laughs> yeah, 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 it's all hypothetical. Yeah. Okay, hold on, man. I got to, uh, I got to refill my drink here. Uh-oh. You're making me jealous of all these uh, all these cocktails you got going on over here. 
Why? What's going on, man? You're not drinking over there? Yeah. Oh, I'm drinking. We got to put a put away a gallon of water every day for 75 days. Oh yeah, you're doing the uh, the 75 hard challenge. It's brutal. See, my problem is it gets so busy during the day that I forget to drink, and then it's you know 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and I'm pounding a gallon of water. <laughs> so, well, pay no attention then to my angel's envy. <sighs> so you told us about seven X. I'm going to run through seven X shots for you. Yeah, let's do it. Rapid fire questions. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Fill in the blank. The biggest cyber threat in today's society is ransomware. Legal robbery. The film. Who would play you in that biopic? (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go Tom Cruise, man. He did such a great job with Jack Reacher. Yeah. Yeah. Mission impossible. That's right. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Guys glazed right over that one. Yeah. You gotta go with, <laughs> with Cruise. That's right. If you had one superpower, what would it be and why? <clears throat> I'd want to be able to predict the future. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Cause you could say wealth. Although being able to see the future can provide that wealth. Exactly. Just give me tomorrow's newspaper. I'll tell you exactly what stocks to pick. You know what I mean? There you go. There you go. All right. Um, what book is currently on your nightstand? So the 75 hard challenge requires that you read 10 pages of, they say nonfiction, but it's really intended to be kind of like self-help or some sort of, you know, nonfiction, you know, book about something. Um, I do love the 48 laws of power. I think that's a great book. I love Uh, that, man. That's a great book. I can't stop reading that. I am. I'm actually, hold on. I'm actually looking at it. You have it in arm's reach, dude. <laughs> it is with an arm's reach at all times. The forty-eight laws of power. That is a that is a power move. It is. It is. All right. Next one. When you aren't working, what do you enjoy doing? Big photography guy. Huge into um, you know. Obviously, you see all the content that we make. I mean, a lot of that is just a labor of love. I I love making. You know, those videos, I love taking pictures. I love taking my camera with me anytime I do these physicals. You know, I, was, I spent a week in Alaska, you know, half the time on site, half the time staring at the Northern Lights. You know, it's, uh, that's definitely my passion. Um, next one. Best bar you've ever been to? Ooh. So my business partner, Ryan, and I stumbled into Canon up in Seattle. It was one of the most impressive collections of whiskey, bourbon, scotch, bar none, no pun intended, um, that I, I, they had so much that the bathroom, wall to wall, floor to ceiling, had cages in it that protected alcohol. <laughs> So yeah, check it, check out Canon in Seattle if uh, if you ever get up that way, and of course the barcode. You can't leave out barcode. I mean, come <laughs> <That's> on. <right. laughs> okay, Matt, number seven. Let's do it. If you opened 
a cybersecurity themed bar, what would the name be and what would your signature drink be called? Oh, hmm. All right. The name of the bar would have to be Breakers. Breakers. That's the name of the bar. Would that be uh beachfront property? Yeah, of course it did. You know, you know my you know, Laguna Beach is my second home. Yes. So of course, I mean, they just had some pretty bad fires out there recently. So uh hope everybody's okay. And the uh the drink is the stolen identity. Ooh. Yeah. And it's made with the clears. So you don't know what's in it. And it can change based on who the bartender is. So the bartender gets to make it, but no matter who makes it, it's always clear. So it could be gin, could be vodka, could be water. Dude, that's the transparent killer. That's right. Well, Matt, it's been awesome catching up with you, man. Thanks for stopping by. Real quick before you go, uh, let our audience know where we can all find you online. Yeah, um, certainly on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find the company and, and all of us up there. Uh, SEVNX.com is our website. And uh, YouTube, obviously, for all of our, our videos for you know password crackers and all that good stuff. And then uh, we also do a seven-second security every week. We put out kind of the, the top pressing security issues that you can kind of read about in seven seconds, figure out if they apply to you. And and then go on with your day. So cybersecurity is not your primary gig. Well, that's what we're here for. Hey, man, thanks again. I'll have security escort you out. (laughs) No need. I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Opens window. Exits. (laughs) Thanks, dude. Take care. Yeah, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Um, hello? Hello? Where the hell am I? What's going on? Barcode patrons. If you like this episode and would like to support the podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and visit our Patreon site, patreon.com slash barcode podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, check out the barcodepodcast.com slash sponsor. Cheers. Unfortunately, it's time to shut the bar down for this episode. Thanks for stopping in. See you next time. We'll save you a seat. Be sure to check us out at thebarcodepodcast.com.